0: Oh, 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 oh. Good afternoon, Jets fans. Thank you very much for tuning in. A little bit out of schedule, a different schedule tonight, or today I should say. No practice for the Jets. We will not be doing an episode this evening, for those of you who keep up. I'm over from England, so uh, this is the only night I can get together with some friends. So I'm going to be out in Manhattan tonight, but right now it's about the Jets, and it's about Sam Darnold, who got himself into camp yesterday. After after much talk, uh, a lot of a lot of probably probably a little bit more stress than was necessary. Uh, If you tuned in to me a couple nights ago and which actually I know we had some pretty good numbers. I looked at them earlier today. Thank you very much for that. Hope you enjoyed that uh, one to eighty nine rundown of the roster. We won't be going quite that in depth today, but we will be talking about a number of guys who stood out yesterday and uh, and just encapsulating sort of the uh, the first four days of camp. But, uh, yeah, for those of you who listened in, I was, I kind of said that I, I put it on Darnold, but it was up to him to get into camp. He was the one who had the power to make it happen. Uh, can't remember if I said it on the air. I know I did off the air talking to someone on day one who was a little bit down on him. I kind of said, look, he's he's a young kid. Uh, give him 72 hours. Three, you know, if after three days he's not telling his agent to get me into camp, then I really wasn't going to want to hear any of that. You know, he's dying to be out there because uh, if you're dying to be out there, uh, you know, if you want to give your agent a couple days to do his job, I can live with that. But beyond that, you have to realize your chance to start is slipping away. And, you know, the, the, all, all the talk becomes just talk. So anyway, it's behind us. And as I said at the time, once he completes his first pass, no one's going to care anymore. And in all honesty, the second we saw the tweets from, from Schefter and Rappaport saying that something was going to happen, I think at that point no one gave a damn anymore. And it was just about getting Sam Darnold into camp. And then, of course, you know, we wondered what he he practices, you know, is he going to be in the building early enough to practice? My guess was that he would be having, you know, uh, for those of you who heard Manish Medha during this whole ordeal, he said on a few occasions that Sam Darnold was just a couple minutes down the road. So once they said the deal was agreed to, and that was about an hour before practice kicked off, maybe a bit more, I kind of felt like, well, he, he might be in the building now. And I think he was at that point. So he got his deal signed. We, uh, we marched out to the media area for practice. No Sam Darnold in sight. And that only lasted about 12 minutes when he would emerge from the building to a, uh, a, a nice, nice greeting from his teammates who gave him a nice round of applause. Uh, he, didn't even, he didn't do a second of stretching. As he got there, they literally finished up the stretching session. They brought it in. They broke it down. And then uh, lots of uh, hugs, high fives, and things of that nature for Darnold. Who then ventured off to the uh, one of the further fields with the other quarterbacks and, and and got loose over there, did some stretching, I'm sure, and then uh, just played a little soft toss. And we'll get right to it. Team period started not long after that, 11 on 11, and Darnold did go, Darnold was up third. He uh, he actually was paired with uh, with Spencer Long, who didn't Spencer Long didn't get in there with the ones. They have been bringing him along slowly. I mentioned that earlier. Someone asked me just a few minutes ago about that on Twitter. Spencer Long has looked very good when he's been in there. Uh, well, I should say he looked very good on in, in individual drills. During team periods, they've been bringing him, bringing him along. Jonathan Harrison was the, the, uh, the first center in with that group. But then when Darnold came in after McCown and Bridgewater, it was Spencer Long snapping to Sam Darnold. So how did Sam Darnold look? He only made a handful of throws. I didn't count. I know Daryl Slater. Uh, Jets beat writer, who by the way will be joining us on a near future episode of Jet Nation Radio. We're going to have Daryl Slater on. I did see a piece earlier, uh, and I heard him say on the sidelines yesterday uh, he counted ten re- or ten ten passes for Donald. So I I would have said somewhere around a dozen if I had to guess. I didn't I didn't write down the exact number. So 10 throws, what we can tell you from the throws he did make. Uh, missed, missed long, missed badly on a deep ball to start with. The flag was thrown, um, so no throw, but he still, uh, he still overthrew his receiver. On uh, his second pass, there was an interception that was caused by Derek Jones, who's having himself a heck of a camp. Derek Jones, was uh, Sam Donald tried to squeeze it in, uh, middle of the field, trying to hit Robbie Anderson. Derek Jones got a hand up there, batted it away, and it fell into the waiting arms of Doug Middleton we'll talk about a little bit later on. Uh, his next play was a – the next pass he threw was a a, a dart to the left sideline. Couldn't – from my perspective, all I could see is that um, it was a great play by uh, Coleman, Xavier Coleman, made a, a, a diving play, got his left hand in front of it, batted it down. So can't really say it was a good throw or not based on the angle, but I can say it, it took a heck of a play from the DB to bat it away. Um, red zone kicked off, though, not long after that. And that's where uh, where Donald did some good work. He um, and uh, one thing I wanted to mention on the interception, while it was a pick, um, he did show some good footwork. Some some uh, he kept it. He was under a little bit of pressure. Of course, the red jersey, he's not going to get hit. But uh, you know, up until the defender puts a hand on you, you, you treat it like it's real. And he he was able to uh, sidestep a little bit of pressure, step up in the pocket, kept his eyes down the field. The throw was high that Jones batted down, but still some of the other stuff that you saw from Darnold in college that's you know, you hope carries over any day. He did a good job keeping his eyes down the field and and sort of sidestepping pressure and then climbing the ladder a little bit in the pocket to get away from the the pressure coming from the edges before the, uh, before the high throw. So a couple good traits there, despite the bad outcome, but uh, maybe we cut him a little slack since it was his third throw. Uh, Maybe take it easy. So uh, they got in the red area and that's where Darnold was able to uh, rip off a couple of touchdown passes. He uh, he had one over the middle to tight end Chris Herndon in the red zone. Uh, hit Herndon just outside the end zone. He Herndon took it in the last few yards. Coverage was decent. Uh, wasn't wasn't anything fantastic, but a uh, couple of defenders in the area. He made the throw. Then we saw Darnold a couple of plays later. He had Quincy Anunwa. He honestly Quincy Anunwa was so wide open to the right side. You would just have to call him uncovered. Um, I spoke with a couple of people who were there. And, we were all trying to determine who was supposed to be covering Quincy and because nobody was. Um, So, you know, Darnold recognized it, made the throw, but uh, nothing in terms of uh, one of the easier throws he'll have to make because (laughs) no defender in the area, not the toughest throw in the world. So that that covers that Um, really for Darnold. It was, you know, again, seeing the team's reaction when he got out there was fantastic. Um, Seeing him, seeing the footwork, seeing him keep his eyes down the field. All very good stuff. All encouraging signs, and let's face it—you know—an exciting time for Jets fans because, the, you know, the, they're. While many of us didn't expect the holdout to happen at all, I know I said personally I, I didn't think it would last a day. Um, then when it did kick off, I I kind of said it can't go you know or not can't but I really hoped it wouldn't go beyond three. But it's always in the back of your mind, you know, how is this thing going to unfold? So he's in camp, a few reps, look good. Didn't he looked plenty comfortable? Didn't look overwhelmed. Um, and again, it, it's a tiny sample size, but believe me, uh, you know having had the opportunity to go to camp the last few years, I've seen far worse from guys who were around for a lot longer. And whether it's five throws, ten throws, fifteen throws, I've seen some quarterbacks out there look absolutely atrocious. Um, and Sam Darnold, he looked fine. It was ten throws. We'll see what tomorrow brings. As I've, as we said, today is an off day. So breaking down the rest of the roster. Uh, well, not we're not going to go one through eighty-nine or well one through ninety this time. But we're not we're not going to do everybody. If you uh, if you keep up with us on JetNation.com, you'll see I wrote a piece this morning. And I'm I'm pretty much this, you know this is for the people that aren't on the site or who aren't able to get to it. Who maybe don't have the time. Maybe you're listening in the car. I know for me when I listen to podcasts, I generally do it while I'm traveling. So this is for folks that uh, you know maybe haven't had a chance to check out JetNation.com. And uh, break down the guys who have stood out, some of the rookies that have looked really good, a couple guys who have flashed and looked good at times, and then we'll uh, we'll go over some of the just just a few random notes that you may not get elsewhere, um, or maybe you do, but we've just got a whole bunch of them in one place for you here. So, in talking about the rookies, you know, as I said the other day on the show, uh, Nathan Shepard, Trenton Cannon, Perry Nickerson, all looking really good, um, Chris Herndon as well. I and mean, you've got four guys there who, well, at, at least three. You know, you, you never know what's going to happen with the running back position because of the fact that Trenton Cannon is probably, you know, with. we don't know how long Eli McGuire is going to be out. They're saying three to six weeks, which means he could be back by the opener or he could miss a game or two. So does Cannon open the season as the number three or does Cannon end up on the practice squad? But, you know, with Crowell and Bilal Powell, that remains to be seen. But Nathan Shepard has looked fantastic. He's going to get a ton of reps this season. Trenton Cannon has played well enough to earn some reps. I think he'll, depending on how he performs in the preseason, that's going to have a huge impact on whether or not he gets a lot of carries you know, during the year. But Trenton Cannon continued to look good yesterday. He does a really good job getting to the edge. does a really good job cutting back when, on the runs between the tackles. So everything they've asked him to do thus far, he's done quite well. Uh, I know I've spoken to a couple of folks on the sidelines they kind of share that sentiment. A lot of people have been really pre- um, impressed with him. Uh, I know uh, Dennis Wazak from the Associated Press has been raving about him on his Twitter, sent out quite a few messages about him. So it's, uh, it's not just me. It's quite a few people that have noticed Trenton Cannon. Uh, the next guy I want to mention, who I talked about the other day, but looked good again yesterday, another strong pack practice for Perry Nickerson, the sixth round draft pick, the corner, who – he doesn't have a pick yet in camp but you can you can see him reacting to these throws you can see him the, uh, the the anticipation and jumping some of these routes he's looked really good and you know is is often in position to make a play i think it's just a matter of time till it comes together for him and you know this is a, a great development if he keeps if he keeps going the way he is because he will start stealing reps from Buster screen and you know Buster screen's a guy who's only got one year left on his deal so you're hoping, you know, the the sooner Perry Nickerson is ready to take over for him, the better. And the last guy I want to mention, the last rookie, um, in, in terms of uh, an everyday standout up to this point, Chris Herndon, the tight end from Miami. Like I said, he caught the first pass, the first touchdown from Sam Darnold, and he's just every day, every day out there. He's making a he's making a good looking catch. He's making people miss when he Um, he makes he makes things happen with the ball in his hands. We talked about that. The numbers bear that out. In college, he was one of the best tight ends in the country, picking up yards after the catch, and you, you're kind of seeing why. In practice, I think I think he ends up being the starter this year at some point. If not he may open the season as a starter, um, who knows? But uh, one thing that I think I have it in here later. Clive Walford, he's been really, he's really been invisible through the first three days, and then yesterday it, it seemed like there was a deliberate effort to get him involved. He probably saw the ball come his way four or five times in the first the first series of plays. So they were making an effort to see what he can do. Um, And I think he can be a decent player, but there's just, I think uh, not a lot of proven talent at the tight end position, but enough guys with enough potential that uh, a guy like Clive Walford, despite having the longest resume on the, on the roster for tight ends could find himself not making it. So we'll see what happens there. Um, A couple of other rookies I wanted to mention that who haven't been everyday guys, but who, you know, from time to time, uh, again, it's only four days but some names we're seeing mentioned um, for the Fadakasi, the defensive lineman out of Connecticut. Uh, the, the, the combine numbers and the, the film that we were able to find on him kind of gave you the impression that this guy is, 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 you know, strong as an ox. And that has, that has shown itself a couple of times in practice where he's, he's been able to, to, to move bodies around and, and getting, uh, get to the line of scrimmage and make some stops. But, Really, the chances of of this guy making the roster have got to be slim. I think they really like Pennell. Of course, McClendon is McClendon. Um, uh, Fadukasi, unless he absolutely dominates, um, sort of Snacks Harrison style in the preseason. Uh, for those of you who remember, I think Snacks Harrison had like seven or eight solo tackles in a final preseason game. I don't care. I don't care what what the setting is. You got a 340 pound nose tackle with six, seven solo tackles. That just doesn't happen. So barring some efforts like that in the preseason, I don't know how Fadakasi makes the roster, unless he just flat out plays. the guy like Pennell. But I just don't see that happening at this point. We'll see how that goes. Frankie Ruvu, Washington State outside linebacker, somebody a lot of fans were excited about. I know that even before the Jets picked him up, he was an undrafted free agent name that I saw a few Jets fans tweet out as a guy they thought the Jets should make a run at because of the, the, you know, the deficiency at outside linebacker. And Luvu has, he's been, he's been solid, but unspectacular. Uh, he's made one or two plays and I, I have, there have been at least three occasions where a, a very fired up Kevin Green has singled him out as, as making a nice play. So Luvu is doing some things to get the attention of the coaching staff. And, uh, Anthony Wint is another guy who's, um, basically he, he's, he's probably of all these guys, he's been the quietest, um, up until now, I'm, I'm only mentioning him because he looked really good yesterday. Uh, looked really good against the run. If you listen to the podcast we did with Manish, you will have heard Manish rave about this guy. It's a guy that his understanding is they really like him, and he's got a shot. Um, so we'll see what happens. He he looked all right yesterday, and that's going to move us on to just skip through my notes here. So um, I mentioned Frankie Luvu, but uh, in terms of edge rusher, Everyone knows what a big need that is. Dylan Donahue he was a guy who's actually looked all right. Um, looked, looked good again yesterday. And uh, I think that another guy, Brandon Copeland, is a guy who stood out a little bit, but a name that you've heard me mention a couple times, Obam Guacham, who is a project and a super, super long shot to make it. But uh, the last couple of days, he's had some pressures. He's had some, you know, depending on whose perspective, he's had a couple of sacks or near sacks. And he held up on a couple of runs to his side of the defense a couple of times as well. So not a bad job by him. Um, so between Donahue, Lulu, um, uh, who else did we mention? Um, Guacham. These guys are, you know, I, I said in the article, that they're not going to make anyone forget about Khalil Mack, but w- with the jets being as weak as they are, as thin as they are at that position, then, uh, these guys actually have a shot to make it. So it's worth keeping an eye on them. And, uh, sorry, uh, it's worth keeping an eye on those guys because let's face it, it's, it's such a big need area for them right now that there's uh there's no way, there's no way that somebody isn't going to emerge and, and make the roster. You know, it's really outside of Jordan Jenkins. What outside linebacker on this roster can you look at and say, yeah, that dude's definitely going to be here. It's not, it's just not, there's, there's nobody who's done enough, um, in their, you know, short career. These are, these are all young guys, but the edge has to be addressed. Guacham is to me is the guy to keep an eye on because you, you know, the thing that the jet, the jets are lacking is that explosive long sort of rangy outside guy. And I think that that's what Guacham could be. So, um, that's not, uh, that's, it's not a bad thing that he's coming along, but it certainly would be nice. I mean, hey, people are talking about Khalil Mack, right? Oakland doesn't seem to want him. I mean, what would you give up for that guy? I'd have no problem uh, surrendering a couple of firsts to bring Khalil Mack to New York. Uh, next thing I want to touch on is, is the depth of safety. I'll tell you what, I'm sure I mentioned Doug Middleton the other day. and I think I mentioned J.J. Wilcox. If I didn't, that was my bad because he uh, he had a heck of a practice a couple days ago. But the depth at that position, uh, right now, Marcus May is not practicing, or he's not at least during the, the team sessions because he is uh, recovering from an ankle injury. So Doug Middleton has been filling in for him. Middleton and Jamal Adams have looked absolutely fine. Uh, Adams just explosive at times as, as he does doing some of his best work around the line of scrimmage. Uh, hasn't, haven't really noticed him stand out in coverage yet. So obviously that was an issue with him last year. We have to see how that, how that transpires. But the depth at that position between JJ Wilcox, Middleton, um, and Terrence Brooks, even though Terrence Brooks did get beat for a touchdown yesterday, I want to say Lucky White had beat him late. But um even still, uh he's not a bad player. You know, in terms of depth, he's a good guy to have. Middleton, Wilcox, Brooks, that's a nice trio of of safeties there that who have played well when called upon. And and you know, Wilcox has extensive starting experience with the Cowboys. So as much as people uh talked about how good the starting safeties are and they are and they should get better. The it's it's good to see that that's a spot where they have some guys behind them who if they can carry this over then they should be able to have some a good deal of success this year if you know if if they were to lose anyone to injury. You know I'm not saying any of these guys are as good as a Jamal Adams type, but what I'm saying is that again just, just having quality guys up up and down the depth chart is never a bad thing. And we've talked a lot this off, this offseason about the wide receiver depth. Um, and it looks like the safety position is doing pretty well, too. And actually, that depth at wide receiver was the next thing I was going to talk about. Because let's face it, right now, if, if you're looking at the wide receiver depth chart, you know, depending on your feelings on our Darius Stewart, um, or he, regardless, even if you feel like he's a guy who they would hang on to just because he's a draft pick. Uh, and, of course, don't forget he has that two-game suspension to start the year, which gives the Jets a little a little bit of breathing room. But uh, Jets' depth chart right now, you would have to say it's Robbie Anderson, Quincy Anunua, Jermaine Curse, Terrell Pryor, and Chad Hanson, some variation of that. Um, and then some people would probably tack on Ardarius Stewart. No way of knowing how many they're going to carry. But between Ardarius Stewart, Charles Johnson, Trey McBride, those guys, Ardarius Stewart wasn't having a great camp. Um, and it is only one day, but he looked much better yesterday. Guy runs hard. Guy, just, he, he plays really hard. Um, so that, that kind of makes him fun to watch. Hard guy not to root for. You know, the suspension's a bad thing. And it, they, I don't. The last thing I saw on it was that it was a PED slash masking agent. So I don't know if they. I didn't. I don't know if I interpreted that wrong, but I think it could have been either or. They didn't. They didn't specify. So there's a possibility if it was a masking agent for marijuana or something along those lines, which, I mean, I think we all know the league has certain dates throughout the year where they don't test, um, which means it's it's silly that darius Stewart got caught. But it also goes to show, it, I think we're heading to a time when, I think a couple of years down the road, it's, it's pot's not going to be a banned substance in the league anymore. It's just silly at this point. Um, but as it stands now, it is illegal. If he was using, then it's, you know, it's, it's a boneheaded move far from the end of the world. Um, And again, uh, our Darius Stewart looked really good yesterday. Chad Hansen has cooled a bit. Uh, I I should say a lot. Um, And I say that in comparison to what he was reportedly doing in, in rookie camp and OTAs because, uh, and mini camp, because we heard a lot about how he was, you know, he's flashing, he's standing out, he's making plays, strong hands, this, that Um, he hasn't looked bad. I'm not saying he's looked bad in training camp, but I haven't seen the, the big play, you know the, the the wow plays that everyone talked about outside of the first day. He did he did have a couple of nice grabs on day one. Um, since then, I haven't seen. But at at the same time, as I mentioned during the show the other day, and I should have mentioned this at the top for those who didn't listen to our episode from a couple of days ago, that uh, when you're out there, you're little you're literally trying to watch ninety people play football spread out over three football fields. Some guys are doing drills. Some guys are stretching. Some guys are talking with coaches. Um, It it could be any variety of things. So nobody out there is seeing every single thing that's going on. It's entirely possible that Chad Hansen is lighting it up with the wide receiver group while I'm down trying to get a look at the D linemen working against the O linemen. Now, I think that's highly unlikely because I haven't seen seen it with my own eyes, haven't heard anyone say it, haven't seen anyone tweet it. Um, Chad Hansen's been kind of MIA through the first few days of camp. Minus, uh, again, day one, he, he made some pretty good grabs, but that was sort of, you know, it was a no-pad practice, and uh, and it's day one out there. So, bottom line, it's at the depth chart. It's, it's it's nice to have this problem, but uh, if I were to say right now, if, if I'm being honest, I would say that, that Charles Johnson is having a better camp than Stewart or Hanson, but he's not a draft pick, and it's four days. So, if he carries it on, and they want to keep Stewart and Hanson, you know, perhaps they... Perhaps they're in a situation in a situation where they could put our Darius Stewart on the the uh, the well, not put him on, but he will be suspended for the first couple games, and you give somebody a look in that time to see if uh, to see if they can show that they belong, and if not, you make a determine a determination on Stewart from there. So it's not just the uh, it's not just the rookies that are standing out. I mentioned some of the rookies earlier, and. I wanted to to talk before we, uh, yeah, I wanted to go over some of the, the the year two guys because there's some some good stuff happening there. And and let's face it, it's you know, um, it, it's not it's not the, the biggest sample size, but you know, all you all you can go off is what you've got. And so here's what we've got so far on the on the second year guys. Jamal Adams, as I mentioned, has, has looked fantastic, especially when the pads came on um, day one with the pads. He's he, he's vocal. He's all over the place calling out plays, um, talking trash and, you know, doing what Jamal Adams does. But the the most important thing is he, he looks like he looks fantastic around the line of scrimmage. And I'm looking forward to seeing him more in coverage because that is something that, as I mentioned earlier, uh, was an issue for him last year. One guy who hasn't had an issue with coverage, Derek Jones. Talked about him. He's had in, in my, well, yeah, in my estimation, three picks. I said the other night, the refs blew a call. He had one where. He, at least from my vantage point, he seemed to be in by a good few inches. But either way, um, you know, two, three interceptions in the last two practices, uh, a bit of a project guy from Ole Miss. He played corner and receiver there, spent most of last, or spent last year with the Jets, not really playing, but working on playing corner, making you know, completing that transition. And so a couple picks in two days. And the most impressive thing probably that I saw from him was he was, uh, he was manned up one-on-one with Robbie Anderson. And Robbie Anderson ran a go route and Derek Jones stayed with him stride for stride. Um, pass was overthrown, wasn't caught or broken up. Just I think it was McCown who overthrew Robbie Anderson, but seeing Derek Jones, seeing any any corner run stride for stride with Robbie Anderson is, is an encouraging thing. So he's breaking up passes in the middle of the field. He's got a couple picks and he's shown that he can run with the fastest guy on the team. So all very encouraging stuff about Derek Jones. I talked already about our Darius Stewart and Chad Hansen. Um, Not a whole lot going on from Hanson. Stewart struggled a little bit and uh, until yesterday, like I said, he had a big day yesterday. So good job by him. And like I said, the guy just, he he plays his tail off. So that's, uh, you can't, I can't not root for a guy like that. When you see someone who plays as hard as our Stewart does, then, you know, he's a guy you really want to see him succeed. I wanted to mention Jordan Leggett because Jordan Leggett is having a good camp. Um, Not a great camp, but a good camp. And, in years past, that might have been enough, but I'll tell you what, the way Chris Herndon and Neil Sterling are playing right now, I, I'm not sure that good is going to be enough to, to help him stick on this roster. You know, I'm not making any proclamations after four days, but what I am saying is that Herndon and Sterling have looked fantastic. Eric Tomlinson I think is safe because of his ability to block. Um, I think that – I think Clive Walford and Jordan Leggett could end up on the outside looking in when all said and done. We'll have to give it a little time with those guys and see what – what transpires, but I would be really surprised if uh, if if Herndon and Sterling keep going the way they're going, they're absolutely making this roster. A uh, couple of negatives to go over real quick. Like I said, it's going to be a short episode, uh, probably about thirty minutes, thirty-five minutes. But just wanted to cover uh, a couple negatives. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thomas Rawls, second day in a row. You know, I'd commented on how he was having a really good first couple days, and th- the main concern with him has been injuries. But he actually had um, he had a fumble yesterday, and he had a fumble the day before. You, you can't be you can't be having a fumble a day when uh, when you're really not getting a ton of carries because you're splitting between four guys, and it's not a full you know it's, it's practice. You're getting a few reps here and there. So consecutive practices for Rawls where he can't hold on to the ball. If that continues to be an issue. Then, as I said when I wrote it up earlier, that his health won't, it won't matter if he's healthy or not if he can't hold on to the ball. Um, another thing that I mentioned the other day, and I wanted to bring it up again, because um, a lot of people have asked about him, Antonio Garcia. He hasn't really stood out, and, and as I said, it's the hardest thing to judge out there is the O-line and D-line, because you are looking at it from a profile angle, and it is essentially a mosh pit. So unless you have an overhead angle or if you're on standing in either end zone, it's, it's really tough to tell who's doing what, but when I did watch Garcia in one-on-one drills, the Bell drill, he did I don't recall him stopping anyone. Um, it's not hyperbole. I think every guy that took him on man-to-man um, beat him to the bell. So not a good start for him. You know, it, It's entirely possible. You know, I don't know exactly at what point he's supposed to be 100 percent from the medical issues he had last year and the medication he's taking, and if that's affecting him, I have no idea. But this is a guy who was supposed to be a, you know, a blue chip pass blocker. And he got he got it handed to him the other day by anywhere from rookie undrafted guys to everybody. Everyone faced him beat him. So not a, not a good sign there. Uh, wanted to mention the flags too. way too many flags. It, yes, it's early, but I, I count by my count. I want to say nine flags yesterday, um, six on day one, six on day two. Day three, they cleaned it up a little. They still had five, but I want to say two or three of them came in the last couple minutes, Um, which, of course, is bad because if that's where you're getting fatigued, that's the end of the game. That's where it's most important that you're not getting flags. But uh, day three was cleaner up until the last couple minutes. And then yesterday, nine, um, after the sixth or seventh one, Todd Bowles pulled everybody in, uh, gave him a couple, uh, a little bit of a pep talk, if you will, gave him a piece of his mind. And then I got back to work. It was cleaned up. It was a little bit better after that. Uh, and now just to cover some odds and ends, uh, just l- little ra- random thoughts, uh, stuff that we that I've seen over the first few days. Henry Anderson had a really good day for himself yesterday. He uh, he's looked good with the pads on. He's uh, and I know uh, Dan Leberfeld of, of Jets Confidential tweeted out some pictures of him putting in some extra work after practice on the sled and and doing a little bit of one on one work with uh, with Fatikassi and working with him, helping him out with his technique. So good job by Henry Anderson, Morris Claiborne. He's done a nice job. He's had, I've counted three or four pass breakups for him. I want to say on day two, he had, he had a a few, uh, and a couple of them really, really nice too. Just good job of uh, running with the receiver, extending a hand, didn't, didn't, you know, wouldn't have drawn a flag and just got a clean hand on the ball to bat it away. Some of the best news out of camp um, should probably talk about this. I should have spoken about this sooner, we tweeted quite a bit about it, but Quincy and to me, he looks like he's all the way back. They have him wearing the red jersey uh, as a precaution. He wore it through four practices. He's worn it three times. I want to say day two he didn't wear it, but I'll tell you what, man, watching Quincy, watching catch and run, you just look at him and you're like, that's that's the same guy. Um, now, of course, there hasn't been any contact yet, so that's going to be the real test. But Quincy looked like he he, he looks like he's Quincy again. And I may have mentioned this again the other day, so I apologize if I'm repeating a couple things. Uh, just This is all just pulled from notes from camp, and I didn't, I didn't go through all of them the other day. Um, Dimitri Flowers, he's not, he's not as much of a lock as I thought he was. I know he's an undrafted guy. How can you say an undrafted guy is a lock? Well, you know he, he plays fullback and figured his versatility, his ability to catch the ball, make plays with the ball in his hands would, would give him a, an edge over Lawrence Thomas. But Lawrence Thomas looks to be, this could be my imagination, but looks to be outrepping him at this point. and and playing pretty well. So if Lawrence Thomas keeps playing the way he is, and Dimitri Flowers got blown up a couple times as a blocker the other day, and if that's going to be happening, then you're not going to make a roster. So maybe more of a practice squad candidate than anything um, if he keeps playing like this. And I should should preface all of that. You know, all of what I'm saying is basically if these guys don't get better um, from where they are now after just a few days. It is just a few days, but you know what? We are um, lunatic fanatics. We cannot get enough of this game. And when you spend, you know, four, five, six months without any real football news, you want, uh, we want every morsel, don't we? I I know I do. I tune in. That's why I'm thrilled to be at practice. And that's why when I'm not there, I'm on Twitter and I want to know everything I can about every player on the roster. So, um, you know, for for those, you know, I I say this only because, and I tweeted this out the other day, there were a, a couple folks that I heard, heard someone say it while I was at the hotel. And I saw a couple of people say it on Twitter and, you know, getting um, contentious, you know, oh, it's they, and, and this wasn't even directed at me. This was just sort of observational from my perspective. You know, uh, why is everyone getting so excited? It's three days. Who cares? We've got to wait till the real game start. And I, I just look at people like that and I'm like, you know what? Listen, some people like to enjoy things. Like, like what do you want? Some people are diehard fans. They want to know as much as they can about this team whenever they can. And all you can do is take the information that's in front of you, you know? So, is, your, is you know, for people to think that way, what's their solution? Just don't talk about football till the game start, you know? And then you get the people that, well, nothing matters except the Super Bowl. So should you not talk about your team, your favorite team, unless they win a Super Bowl? Like, I don't get it. Um, there are fans. It's short for fanatic. If you're, if you're a big fan of a team, you want to know what's going on. And I, I don't understand the people that telling other people, they shouldn't get excited because they're miserable. Like I'm a miserable human and I won't let myself get happy or excited about what's going on. So nobody else should either. You want to be miserable, be miserable, but go do it in a corner, go do it by yourself. So, you know, there's some good things going on with this team right now and a, and a lot of reasons to be happy. So that's enough of that. We're we're only down to a few minutes, but ignore miserable people. Darren Lee. uh, He's looked good. He's looked good. Not great. But I would say up to this point that Kevin Pierre-Louis, who I've mentioned a few times, is a guy who stood out when I watched him on film the, uh, this offseason. I think he has looked every bit as good, if not better, than Darren Lee. And I think this is a big year for – I mean, we knew already this was a big year for Darren Lee. But don't forget, this is uh, where the Jets have the – you know will have the option to exercise his 50-year option next year or this, up, this upcoming offseason. And if not, a guy like Kevin Pierre-Louis, they signed him to a two-year, $6 million deal. I think they see a bigger role for him than, than you know, just special teams. Um, and I like him. I think he's looked really good. He covers a lot of ground. And he's, uh, he anticipates well up front, which is what I saw from him on film. So I, I like Kevin Pierre-Louis or Pierre-Louis. I've heard it said both ways. And I think that he's a guy who, if not for Darren Lee's draft status, I think, um, I think this would be a bigger, a bigger training camp battle. But barring a, a complete meltdown, Darren Lee gets that job. Jordan Jenkins has done a nice job putting pressure on the quarterback. He did that more than people realized last year, and I think the reason why he, uh, you know, the reason why we didn't see a few more sacks out of him was because the secondary was pretty weak. With the improved secondary, I would look for a, a little bit more production out of Jordan Jenkins. I'm not saying 15 sacks, but six, seven, eight sacks somewhere in that range, I think, is is realistic for what he does. Um, sort of, sort of, you know, we've made the comparison a few times to Calvin Pace, and that was kind of where Calvin Pace sat. You know, he was a five, six, seven, eight, and really he was a, you know, he was a guy to get you a handful of sacks. But you know, I expect more than two or three from Jenkins, which is what I believe he had last year. Uh, Terrell Singfield, not a big name. I was a little bit, was excited to see him because he's a guy that ran one of those mythical college 40s. You know, four one nine or whatever these numbers are that their, their universities release from their pro days. But uh, to see if it was a real thing and if he's fast, um, he's not fast enough because he's gotten beat deep uh, several times, more than I would expect for a guy with that speed. Uh, got beat on a 40-yard completion on day one by Darius Stewart, who runs nowhere near uh, the 40 time that Terrell Sinkfield supposedly runs. I understand his technique and anticipation and other things that go into that. But if you run a 419 or a 4-2, whatever, you should be able to keep up with Ardarius Stewart. Um, Leonard Williams has been a monster and it's, it's encouraging because, you know, what he had to put up with last year between the bad wrist and the bad teammate on the other side of him, uh, you know, very unproductive season from a sack standpoint as, you know, as a three, four, end, we've talked about, you know, he, he's not going to be a 14, 15 sack a year guy, but he has the talent to be a, you know, eight to 10 sack a year guy, which I think, I think we'd take. It's certainly a lot better than the two that he got last year. Um, w- one thing I saw that I I didn't like at all, I don't I don't get the point of it, why even tinker with it, Robbie Anderson was back returning punts and kicks. Yeah, it was shortly, I think, I want to say two days ago, he was back returning punts. Didn't do any of that yesterday, but he was back yesterday returning kicks. I don't like either one of those things. One thing I would like to see is uh, undrafted guy, undrafted wide receiver Jonah Triniman. I don't know why he's a guy that they don't have back there. He's another... So kind of subs, sub four, four 40 guy who returned some kicks in college. And for whatever reason, they're auditioning seemingly everybody on the roster back there with the exception of Trineman. And last but not least, um, Lorenzo Malden, he's looked pretty good. He's looked, he's definitely looked better than he did last year when he was nursing a back injury. Uh, again, not saying he's, uh, he's been perfect, but he's, he's done a nice job. I've seen him get in the backfield a couple of times shed some blocks and get in on some tackles, tackles for loss at around the line of scrimmage. So uh, a much better camp early on for Lorenzo Malden. So good luck to him. It'd be nice to have another player from that draft class pan out because really it's down to him and Deion Simon, who in all reality, when you look at the fact that Deion Simon spent last year on the practice squad and they drafted another interior guy in Fadakasi, uh, Deon Simon is probably not much longer for this team. So that wraps it up for today. It's Like I said, I know it's a short episode. I do apologize, Um, partly because I'm not around this evening and partly because we did 90 minutes the other day and there were no huge changes, no surprises since that episode a couple days ago. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, damn, Glenn, I wanted to hear more, well, go back to our episode from just two days ago. So it's only minus one practice. It's through the first three practices. And we go alphabetically top to bottom from Jamal Adams all the way down to Brian Winters and cover everyone on the roster and what I've seen from them at this point, my my opinion may differ from others out there, but I will say one thing that's a little bit encouraging is uh, a lot of the, uh, the the trained eyes out there, the the Cemenis and the Waziaks and the and the Metas of the world, and Dan Leberfeld, um, seeing a lot of a lot of traffic about a lot of the same names, um, and I know it's you know it's not a matter of copying because we're all out there taking our own notes, um, either mental notes or t- Twitter notes or iPhone notes in whatever form we choose, but, uh, looks like a lot of the same core guys are standing out to a lot of different people who, uh, who work for different publications. So good stuff to know, very encouraging stuff from the rookies and second year guys. And, you know, no better news than the fact that Sam Donald was in camp, didn't look overwhelmed. Teammates seem genuinely happy to see him there. And, uh, and so tomorrow they move forward. We will have Darrell Slater on, uh, here sometime in the next week or so talk to him yesterday we're gonna set something up might even just do next week's episode or something along those lines whatever it may be but uh, ideally I'd like to get something done sooner than that. So we'll see how it pans out. hope you enjoyed this one. like I said only about 45 minutes. I think we had some hiccups at the beginning with the timing sorry about that but that wraps it up folks. Uh, day four of training camp in the books today's the day off and don't forget the team will be traveling two Rutgers for the green and white scrimmage on the seventh. So that should be a really good time. I think that uh, if you don't make an effort to go out there for that, you're doing yourself a disservice. Hopefully you make it out there. I know I'm going to do everything I can to get up there. I do expect to be there, as a matter of fact. And until that time, you guys have a great night. Have a great afternoon.